0: The text for the sermon is taken from verse 14 of our reading from Galatians 6. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. After the sermon, we will voice our all men together by singing from the same psalm we just sang, Psalm 52, stanzas 4, 5, and 6. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you read Paul's letter to the Galatians, and if you read through it from one end to the other several times, you come to the conclusion that for Paul, the cross was central The gospel. And so I would ask you, brothers and sisters, what does the cross mean to you? In today's culture, all over the world, the cross is a defining symbol of Christian of Christianity. It is recognized globally as a sign of love and salvation. It is depicted in churches and in art all around the world. Crosses are often set up as roadside memorials for someone who has died from a traffic accident. Shrines with crosses are common throughout the world and many places in the world. The cross is worn as jewelry by both Christians and non-Christians. The cross has also been used by organizations such as the Ku Klux Klan To terrorize victims of racial hatred, Scottish clansmen used fiery crosses to rise fellow countrymen to to repel the, the hated English oppressors during the Jacobite Rebellion of 1715. It seems the cross means different things for different people, and it has been used to promote both truth and falsehood. Again... I ask you, what does it mean to you? According to Scripture, the cross is central to the Christian faith and to the Christian life. And it's fair to say, as I said earlier, that Paul's letter to the Galatians is all about the centrality of the cross and what it means for us. And that's why he he ends this letter on a high note. Far be it from me to boast except in the cross. And that's what I've chosen as a theme for the sermon. We boast only in the cross of Christ Christ. We will consider our passion for the cross, our battle for the cross, and our surrender to the cross. Of all the letters that Paul wrote, Galatians could be considered, could be described as probably the most fiery letter that he wrote. From the salutation to the closing benediction, you can tell the apostle is just bound and determined to defend the gospel of grace at all costs. There is nothing more important to the Apostle than the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of the cross of Jesus. And for this reason, he was willing to oppose all false teachers. He was even willing to stand up to the Apostle Peter when Peter fell into the trap of, of falling in with the Judaizers, who insisted that all believers had to be circumcised. And throughout this letter, he is boasting about the cross. Chapter 2, verse 19, I have been crucified with Christ. Chapter 3, verse 1, Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. <clears throat> and in his other letters, he also boasted about the cross. We read that from 1 Corinthians 1. We preach Christ and him crucified. And chapter 2, in that same letter, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And if you read through the other letters that Paul wrote, you'll find that he speaks of the message of the cross, the offense of the cross, the triumph of the cross, the wonder of the cross. And he writes in the first chapter of Galatians that even if an angel from heaven would preach a doctrine other than what you heard from me, let him be accursed. Let him be damned. And he doesn't mince words either when he's writing to the Galatian believers. Chapter 3, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? And in chapter 5, I wish those who unsettle you would go and emasculate themselves. It's abundantly clear that the gospel of grace and the gospel of the cross mean everything to the Apostle Paul. There's nothing more important than this. This is what he's willing to die for. This is what he suffered for. He writes in verse 17. From now on let no one cause me trouble. For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. He bears on his body the marks of suffering. He took many beatings and whippings and lashings and scourgings. And even stoning. Evidence. Evidence. And his body carried the evidence of what he was willing to endure for the sake of the cross. And so he concludes this letter on the same note that he began, proclaiming the gospel of grace, the good news of salvation, that we are saved only on the basis of the cross. Far be it from me to boast in anything else except the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was always boasting about the cross. It meant the world to him. It meant everything to him. Brothers and sisters, it should mean everything to us too. The cross means that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son into the world to die for sinners. He sent his Son into this miserable world to die for miserable sinners. It means that God loves us enough to save us from our own misbegotten wretchedness. It means that we've been redeemed, that Christ has paid the price to rescue us from the slave market of sin, that the wrath of God has been placated, has been satisfied, that there is forgiveness for sins, that Christ has offered himself as the atoning sacrifice. For our guilt. It means that we are justified. That we are sanctified. That we are glorified. It means that we are acceptable in the sight of God. It means that we are sons and daughters of the most high God. And heirs together with Christ. Of eternal life. It means that God's face is turned towards us. In blessing. And he is gracious to us. Is there anything else that is worth boasting about compared to that? And if we boast in the cross, we cannot and must not boast in anything else. There are many religions in the world. But there are only two ways to live. There are only two choices. You either boast in the cross or you boast in yourself. You glory in the cross... Or you glory in yourself. You trust in the cross, or you trust in yourself. And what does that mean? To trust in yourself, that means to trust in your church attendance. To trust in your church membership. To trust in your baptism. Your devotional habits. Your your good deeds in the community. Your social standing in the church. your, Your religious orthodoxy. Of course, those things are important. But to trust in the cross means that you reject trusting in all or any of these things to the exclusivity of trusting in the merits of Christ alone. To boast in the cross is to reject any human attempt of appeasing God. We cannot please God unless we believe in and glory in the cross of Jesus Christ, We are justified by God and God alone and not by our own works. We are justified on the basis of the atoning work of Jesus Christ which he accomplished on the cross and not in anything that we can ever do for ourselves. Paul wrote this letter to the Galatians to remind them of this. In the strongest possible terms, he reminded them that they all have a choice. We all have a choice. You have a choice between the cross and between works. Between the cross and circumcision, Paul wrote to the Galatians. And it can't be both. The Judaizers claimed the cross was not enough. And that claim implied that that you need to add something to the cross in order to be saved in order to be right with God. But the cross says that Jesus paid it all. His sacrifice is the total and complete basis for your salvation, for your entire salvation. There is no way that you can boast in the cross if you are also boasting in something else. Those two things, they they cancel each other out. The cross of Christ is the all-sufficient ground for your salvation. The cross is the only basis whereby sinners can be right with God. The cross and the cross alone is sufficient to appease the wrath of Almighty God. To bear the load of our sin. To justify sinners and to bring them into eternal glory. So if we're going to boast in the cross, we have to boast in the cross to the exclusion of anything else. Dear congregation, brothers and sisters, I pray that Paul's passion for the cross would be your passion for the cross. That we would boast in the cross and the cross cross alone and never boast in anything else, never boast in anything that we have done. And then may our passion for the cross also motivate us to do battle, to do battle for the truth of the cross. The Christian church has always had to do battle for the truth of the cross. Paul had to fight for this truth too, to preserve this truth. Throughout his life, he was battling the Judaizers, those who were not satisfied with Christ alone. His letter to the Galatians was, was written to protect believers from false teachers and from a false doctrine. In verse 12, he refers to them as those who would make a good showing in the flesh. So these men, Paul says, they're all, about, they're all about the outward appearance. They wanted to be popular. They were concerned for their own prestige and their own standing. So instead of preaching the gospel, they came up with their own peculiar message. And from a human perspective, that's very understandable, isn't it? We are used to thinking about the cross as something very noble. When we see a symbol of the cross, it's most often something that is beautiful. It's a piece of jewelry or a piece of art, a decorative piece, adorning a church wall, for example, or as a memorial symbol of love and hope. The congregation, that's a sanitized version of the cross. To the people of Paul's time, the cross was one of the most despised and ugly symbols of their culture. It was considered degrading, disgusting, despicable, detestable, disgraceful. It was the ultimate humiliation. One commentator writes that in those days, mention of a cross would evoke feelings of unspeakable horror and loathing. The word crux was not even used in polite society. It's hard to think of something in today's culture that would evoke the same kind of horror or disgust. It's hard to think of something comparable. Perhaps the lynch mobs of the Ku Klux Klan came, comes close to that. Or the horror and disgust that we feel when we hear of an adult abusing a small child. And So you can understand then the cross was a strange thing to boast about. It was a stumbling block to Jews and utter foolishness to the Gentiles. It it was viewed as an embarrassment to the Christian church. What would people think when they found out that the the founder of Christianity died on a cross? Something that we don't even want to talk about. Like a low-life criminal. And, And Paul was proclaiming this in the streets. Talking about what people considered obscene. It's understandable that it wasn't a popular message. And anyone who proclaims this message is not going to be very popular either. The cross teaches we have to deny ourselves. It crushes our pride and demands repentance. It demands that we forsake ourselves, that we forsake our own religiosity, and that we come to the foot of the cross to be saved. And if you don't do this, you will be damned forever in the fires of hell. For all eternity. It's understandable that a message like this creates opposition. The church has always been tempted to turn the gospel into something more palatable. Right? The cross plus something else. Whatever that something else is, perhaps it's a duty or a deed or a sacrament or a social cause, a prescribed liturgy, celebrating holy days. The problem is always with the plus something, isn't it? But the reason that that plus something is so attractive is because it makes the message more palatable. It makes it more inviting. It sounds nicer. But the message of the cross invites persecution. In the first and second centuries of the early church, as the church spread through Asia Minor, Jewish persecution spread with it. But there was an easy way to avoid this. Just get circumcised. Anyone was welcome in a Jewish synagogue if they were circumcised, And Jewish believers were mixing with uncircumcised Gentiles in the Galatian churches, and they were afraid of persecution, afraid of what the leaders of the synagogues would do, who had a fair bit of power yet in those days. And so they urged the Galatian Christians to become circumcised as soon as possible, right? Because if you become circumcised, you will avoid the hostility of the Jews, and for Jewish Christians, it would be easier to defend their involvement with Gentile Christians if they could say, well, you know that the church we're going to, those Gentiles, they also follow the laws of Moses. You know, so it's all okay. It, it, it's, just, it's all fine. So deep down, they were motivated by fear. And isn't that something that often keeps us from speaking about the cross, too? I'm sure many of us have had an experience where we've, we've missed an opportunity to speak about the Lord Jesus and about the cross because we've avoided that opportunity because we fear opposition or we fear that somebody is going to mock us. But to be a Christian means that you stand up for the cross like Paul did. Another reason people want to proclaim a cross plus something, is that it's much more popular. It makes the messenger the proclaimer. It makes him more popular as well. Paul writes in verse 13 that the Judaizers wanted to have the Galatian Christians circumcised so they could boast in their flesh. Well, what does that mean? Well, in other words, if they could convince those Galatian Christians to get circumcised then they would have bragging rights about how many converts they had made. Just imagine the headlines that you could get from the mission to Galatia newsletter. This is the headline. 500 circumcised during evangelistic crusade. Well, that would sound really good, wouldn't it? Showing off is one of the big differences between true and false religion. False religion gets caught up in the externals. In in attendance numbers, in worship rituals, and in striving for cultural acceptance. This is what the church is after when the church seeks to entertain rather than to edify. Or when the church emphasizes what we can do for God instead of what God has done for us. but let's be honest with ourselves. We also often fall into the trap of adding rules to our own lives. Of course, we don't believe and confess that rules save us, but we perhaps believe that by living by rules, it makes you a Christian, or that makes you more acceptable in the sight of other people. We believe and confess the righteous shall live by faith, But we sometimes live as if the righteous shall become acceptable by works or at least sanctified by works. And that's why it is so important to remember the message of Galatians, that it is in the cross and cross alone that we may boast. Any addition to the cross of Christ is a false addition. Again, your church membership does not save you. Your baptism does not save you. Your financial offerings do not save you. Your church attendance does not save you. Of course, these things are important, but none of these things justify you. There's only one thing that justifies you before God, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ sacrificed on the cross of Calvary. You are not saved on the basis of the strength of your faith. Or on the sincerity of your repentance. Or the number of tears that you have shed over your sins. Because the truth is, your faith will never be strong enough to save you. Your repentance will never be sincere enough to be perfect. And you can never shed enough tears over your sins to satisfy the wrath of God. You can never justify yourself before God. Never. You are only saved by the blood of the great Passover lamb which is reckoned to you by grace through faith that congregation is the gospel there is no such thing as performance based christianity there's no such thing as taking control of your own life or or doing anything outside or of besides the work of the holy spirit who has been given to you. And we need to remind ourselves of the gospel of grace every single day, don't we? Because that is the only thing that will help us... to crucify the world to us and ourselves to the world. That's what Paul writes in the second half of verse 14. Far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. And so boasting in the cross, dear congregation, dear listeners, boasting in the cross means more than simply believing that Jesus died for your sins. It also means that you must live a cross-centered life. It means living a crucified Life, surrendering your life to the cross, because when you believe in the cross of Christ, you must also surrender yourself to Him. And that's what Paul means in the second half of verse 14. By faith, we are united with Christ in His death, but also in His resurrection. As Christ was crucified, we are crucified to the world and the world to us. Because of the cross, The world is dead to us, and we are dead to the world. The world, with all of its empty charms, its meaningless allure, its empty appeal, its superficial glamour, its shallow promises, it is dead to me and I to the world. Because of the cross, because of the power of the cross, The world system no longer has any appeal and any unchristian worldview loses all of its attractiveness because it is dead to the one who trusts in the cross. You see, there's a massive chasm between Paul and the world, between the Christian and the world. The cross changes everything because because of the cross i can never look at the world in the same way again i can never look at creation the same way again i can never even envision time in the same way again or culture i cannot understand truly understand my world and my relationships and the events in my life except through the cross Because through the cross we are dead to the world, we are are severed, we are separated from this evil world system. We are in the world, but not of the world. And so we are to go in the world, into the world, and to preach the cross of Christ, so that others also may become dead to the world. The cross changes everything. Of course, we may still enjoy the things of this world, the created order of things, and all the good things that God offers to us with his creation, but we enjoy them knowing that these things do not offer us any hope. Our hope is in Christ alone, and our identity is in Christ alone. We no longer find our identity in anything around us or in us. We don't find our identity in the things that have happened to us or in anything that we have done. Because of the cross, we no longer identify as victims. We don't identify as objects of suffering or survivors of cancer. We don't identify as tall or thin or black or white. All of these things are secondary because we identify as sinners made righteous through the cross of Jesus Christ. Our identity is found in Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and rose from the grave, and we glory in that and that alone. This is what God has done for you. And so the cross is a past event with present consequences. And the present consequence is that the world is gradually losing its hold on us. That's why Paul writes, neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Right? We live in a world, but we are a new creation in Christ. So in and of itself, of course, that circumcision, that, that doesn't mean anything. If we are in Christ, it can do nothing to improve your standing with God, And if you are not in Christ, it cannot save you. It actually has nothing to do with the Christian message at at all. That's what Paul was trying to tell the Galatians. But what does count is a new creation. The inward transformation by which the Holy Spirit turns sinners into saints. If anyone is in Christ... Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5 If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And that means, or that involves, the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit, who leads us to faith and repentance. By his power, we receive grace to make daily choices. To use the words of chapter 5 of Galatians, daily choices to crucify our old nature, to die to our old sinful desires. And to use the words of chapter 6, verse 8, to sow to the Spirit, to sow good deeds, and to sow right choices. Through the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, we receive power to do this. Our culture teaches us that we always have an excuse for everything that we do because of our nature our temperament, our environment, our background, our circumstances, that these things determine how we act and how we turn out. Of course, these things are relevant. But when we are a new creation, these things do not determine our behavior. These things don't determine who we are. These things do not determine our identity. Our identity is in Christ alone. Let me ask you, do we truly believe that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin? And not only the sins that we have done, but also our sinful nature? Or do we just make excuses? Well, I'm sorry, that's just the way I am. I have a compulsive habit. I can't help myself. Or we make excuses for someone else. Well, he just has a difficult character. We're just going to have to put up with that. My mother-in-law said something I don't like, and because I was bullied as a child, I don't want anything to do with her anymore. We need to stop making excuses for ourselves, and we need to really and truly start believing the power of the cross and the resurrection of Christ. If the Bible says that in Christ you are a new creation, do you believe it? And are you going to live by that truth? Dear congregation, to be a new creation... Is a call to walk according to the Spirit... And not according to the flesh. To be a new creation is a call to sow to the Spirit... And not to the flesh. And we have a choice. Every day, every hour, you have a choice... To walk according to the Spirit or to walk according to the flesh. You have a choice every day, every hour, every minute to either cave in to the desires of your old nature or to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit. And when we do that, when we walk according to the Spirit, when we walk by the cross, when we live by that rule, says Paul here, when we live by that rule, then the peace and the mercy of God is upon us. The blessings of God come with the cross. There is only one way to receive peace and mercy, and that is through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. May it never be that we boast in anything else. Through the cross, we receive grace upon grace. Grace to sustain us, grace to empower us, grace that secures us, grace that guides us, grace that assures us and helps us to walk in the Spirit so that we might be convicted and repentant and transformed and humbled. God forbid that I would glory in or exalt in or praise anything else or preach anything else but the cross of Christ. Amen.